Kia ora. Welcome to this edition of the Morrisville Baptist Church Podcast. Thank you for connecting with us to discover more about our faith community. Feel free to visit our website at morrisvillebaptist.com. I hope this message is an encouragement to you. I'm Richard, um, one of the pastors here. It's, it's good to see you here this morning. As you gathered, we're obviously looking at the Gospel of, of Matthew, and um, I'm really enjoying it. One of the challenges, though, as you go through it and you read through it, there are some, some passages that you prefer to read more than others, but they're all God's Word, and so we're challenged to, you know, to work through all of God's counsel, and um, that's what we'll be doing this, this morning. What I've really enjoyed, if some of you will uh, have seen it on, on YouTube, on the YouTube app, or on, on, it's on the app and also on YouTube, is the, uh, the Chosen. Have many seen The Chosen? Yeah, there's a few. How many? I quite like it because um, you know, it takes some biblical stories, but it adds a bit of meat around, around that in terms of the disciples gathered. We don't know much about what the disciples did, but you can wonder what a, a tax collector and a zealot were doing together in a difficult environment. And so it tries to draw out um, some of their characters and what that might have looked like for them. And so Jesus had called these men to be fishers of men. And I guess at times that wasn't always easy. Jesus seemed to be doing all the work and perhaps they weren't sure what they were supposed to be doing. And it reminded me uh, just how patient Jesus was with his disciples. And then just on, on the next slide, I saw this uh, picture just come up, if it works, um, about being uh, fishers of men. Is it going? Have we got a fisher? There we go. <laughs> if you can see that, is um, sometimes we're not very good at doing things, are we? <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I, I, quite, I quite like that one. But God is so patient with us in the midst of our learning and growing. And he cares for us because he wants us to grow and succeed. And we just need to make sure that we look to the, the right person. <laughs> and, uh, and Jesus called us to be fishers of men. I like the second one as well because it shows us how great our God is, is that social distancing uh, does not apply to drawing near to him as we've been talking this morning. You know, God is, wherever we call out to him, God is there. And that gives us real confidence that we've got a great God, but a God who Matthew tells us is Emmanuel God with us. And so that gives us encouragement this morning. And so, um, as many of you know, we've been looking through Matthew. We're into the second key theme. Now, we looked at the lifestyle of the kingdom. Jesus preached and taught, and then he demonstrated what it looks like. And now he's called uh, us to the mission of the kingdom. He called his disciples to that, which Darren opened up last week. And so, Darren talked about Jesus' compassion last week and just a real tender heart. And the word compassion doesn't so much look at the heart, but, but the gut. And that, you know, when you've, you've had butterflies, something big's happening in your life, is sometimes our stomachs get a bit unsettled, don't they? And that's the kind of feeling that Jesus had. His compassion was so moved, it moved him here. Not so much in our heart, in his stomach, and you felt something there. And... Um, we see that, and so Jesus would, would do that, preach, and then show what happened. And we see that same cycle happening here with the mission of God, and as Darren picked up last week. And he said that prayer is essential because Jesus says we want to, if we want to see situations through his eyes, we need to start praying for people, that we might know 
what's, uh, what Jesus sees, what Jesus felt, and what, how Jesus responded. And prayer helps us to get that into that space where we might be able to do that. It's really easy, isn't it, to say hello to everyone here this morning. You know, you look well, you're nicely dressed. Um, things look like you're going well, you've got a nice car outside. But Jesus actually looked at what was going on inside. And that's what we need in terms of praying. We start to see how Jesus sees things and what's important to him. Because he's interested in our eternity. And um, part of praying and seeking him draws us into that space. And so we had here, Jesus coming here, part of the mission was to show compassion. He will then talk about a call. A call to follow him. And... um, Again, that part, that part of that, that, that prayer, a great command for compassion would lead to a great commission in itself. And so Jesus had told his disciples, I want to make you into fishers of men. And what does that kind of, kind of mean? Uh, what does that mean, fishers of men? I guess the disciples figured that out as they walked with Jesus. But um, when I was young, as a Christian, I saw, came across this, this um, quotation, which I thought was uh, really helpful if that works on there. Have you heard of this? Preach the gospel always if necessary, use words. I thought that sounded really good and quite snazzy. But the more I've sort of thought about it, the more I got to learn the word uh, on the next slide, I just really questioned, is that, you know, is that correct theology in, in there? Is that great, right, right understanding of how we're to be fishers of men, of, of people. Because I'm challenged here with some of the words you read in Scripture, is how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And if we preach foolishness, someone needs to understand what that foolishness of the cross looks like. And we're most certainly called to represent what the gospel looks like. And I, I like this verse from 1 John which says, let us not love with words or speech, but within actions and in truth. And love is an action, but it needs to go with truth, because otherwise people won't understand what they need if we don't tell that to them. And so it's very easy to think, all I need to do is use actions to show what the gospel is. But Jesus says, no, you need to proclaim it. And that's kind of hard, isn't it, for us? And if Tom is around, has he got to his... Your little fishing rod. I don't know where it is. Tom is my fisherman. Just imagine here. This is this is the, the shore of the bank, and you're out there. Is the um, is the lake that we're we're fishing in? So Tom's got his fishing rod here, putting it together. Okay, Tom. So I want you to just go fishing out here. You're gonna gonna catch anything here at the the lake front. <laughs> What's wrong? There's no line, is there? And there's, there's, there's no hook. There's no bait. So he's got all the kind of the actions right. But he, he needs something else to actually catch fish. Otherwise, he's not going to catch anything. And Jesus is saying, in the spiritual sense, he wanted to send his, his followers out and to catch. But to be able to use a bait... Not just um, fish bait, but our words will be bait in trying to reach people, to share the gospel. 
In some ways, we can do that outright. In other ways, we need, we need to um, just go fishing, as, as I call it. And sometimes going fishing in a spiritual sense is just asking people some questions. What are you doing on Sunday? If someone's going through a difficult time with, with pain, how are you coping with that pain? Someone talks about we come from stardust. Why do you think that? All kinds of questions we can ask by going fishing without having to be up front in someone's face. And so we, we can do that. And so that's why I sometimes do. I just go fishing and ask a question. Now, if they don't, don't catch, I'm not going to worry because sometimes people aren't ready for that. But it's just being prepared to go fishing if someone takes a bite and wants to pick up on that conversation. And that's a simple way to, to do it. Sometimes we don't want to, to do it because they might ask a question that we can't answer. Have you ever, ever felt that? You know, that's always I always send up my help, help prayer to God <laughs> if they ask a question that I'm not sure about. And, uh, but the key thing is Jesus told his disciples, go round, and if people aren't interested, don't worry about them. Keep going. And that's the call he asked us to do, to share the gospel, both speaking it in words, proclaiming it, and putting it into practice that our lives show that we're following Jesus. And so, we're all, well, we can all do that, can't we? We can all ask a simple question and ask God for help in that moment as to how we respond. Because we live in a situation, as Darren said last week, people, what's going to happen to them when they die? What's going to happen to your family or friends who don't know Christ when they die? And so that compassion by praying for them hopefully gives us the courage to actually ask them some questions in a gentle way. And so that's one of our challenges is to be fishers of men. And so as Jesus started talking about this mission, he talked about compassion. And then he's going to start talking in a moment about, he starts talking about the call. But just before we, um, we look at that, um, just consider if, um, if you were setting up a new religion or a movement, how would you do it? You know, it might be easy to set up a religion that embraces all others. And then you're going to attract more people into it. You could add a new book, but basically overrides any previous scriptures that there might be. Sometimes you have a DIY spirituality where uh, my, my idea of God will be do whatever I want or trying to shut out my pain and, and controlling my feelings. Sometimes it's drawing people around a common enemy. And that's what Hitler did in, in the Second World War. He united a whole lot of eclectic groups together with one with one under, uh, against one enemy. And so it's easy to do that. But Jesus will declare later on that his way is the only way. And so let's hear what Jesus says to his followers after he has compassion and says, I want you to follow me. And he gives them a call and he sends them out. And he sends them out to the, around the towns of, of um, the Galilee. And then Jesus says here, in, 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 I'm going to start from verse 16 of chapter 10. It should be up there on the screen as well. you got your Bibles. And Jesus says to his, to his followers, he's talking to them, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. 
Therefore be as shrewd as snakes or serpents and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you'll be brought before governors, kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rebel against their parents, and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So if you've seen Jesus' compassion and he's called you to follow him, and then he says, these are the consequences of following him, how would you feel? <laughs> Wouldn't be a very good salesman, would he? <laughs> but that's what he says. And so he gives his followers a small practice mission. And he tells them the consequences. If you're going to go fishing and follow me, some of these things may happen to you and not to be surprised. So as they treated me, they may treat you with rejection, hatred, alienation, being maligned, being persecuted, and uh, some even to death. Do you want to sign up for that? Because that's what Jesus told his disciples. Answer my call. Some of these things may happen to you. It might sound like we're being hung out to, to dry. But I really appreciate Jesus' honesty. He tells us as it is. And we all know today, if we just look at even various organisations, open doors, you'll, you'll see that statistics on persecution show that one in eight Christians around the world are persecuted. And what Jesus said has come true for many people. Been attacked, been discriminated in schools, at work, suffered exclusion, risk, risk sexual violence, torture, arrest, imprisonment, and much more for the name of Jesus. And so Jesus had warned them of these dangers in verse 19. And what does he say? Don't worry. Don't worry. And we'd think Jesus was crazy, except, I love this, so often in the Bible, there's a word but, and it's but God. And I'm so glad that those buts are in there, because there's strength in, in those buts. But he says, Jesus promises help. My Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will be with you. He will give you the words. So as I send you out like um, sheep among wolves, that's, right? you're pretty vulnerable, aren't you? To do in that. He says, I am going to be with you. But you're going to need some wisdom. He talks about um, being as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. That we might be tough-minded but tender-hearted. Not harming opponents, but being prudent and making sure that we don't do something that's foolish. Prematurely end our, our lives or putting our lives in danger while commending the gospel at the same time. And believing that God will ultimately vindicate us. 
And so this is what Jesus said to them. I remember when we were overseas, I had a little stone here that um, God spoke to me on the 21st of October, 2005. And on that day, I, I got this stone. Um, it says, do not fear, for I am with you, and I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my, my righteous right hand, says God. And on the other side, it says, strength is built in the storms. And so when we were overseas, I had this stone with me and all the time. It helped me to focus on God when those moments came. Sorting out a, um, a visa application with a, um, a, uh, the ministry department of a foreign, foreign government. And um, going, going through the various um, requirements. And then the person said, who was an authority, I want you to give, give me the names of all the Christians you know here locally. That wasn't under their, under their instructions of how to um, go about doing their job. And so don't come back until you got that list. Went home, prayed with Julie, talked to one of the people who would potentially be on that list and said, you can't do that to us. And so Julie and I got on our knees and I got this stone out. It says, do not fear. And we prayed for wisdom to God. What do we do in this situation? Because it impacts on where we are. And you know what? God sent an advocate for us who was able to silence this person because they're a person of standing. And when I went back as well, God gave me the right words to be able to share. And this person was silenced. Someone who came fear and intimidation, seeking God, helped. And so that helped me under that pressure. Where do you turn under pressure? And so I've had this stone since 2005. Often get it out when I need to refocus on God. Here in New Zealand, obviously it's a bit different. We're not facing that kind of of persecution. But we're, we're still called to be wise in what we do. We know the world is rapidly changing. But we see some of those dangers even on on Facebook. You know, Facebook's really helpful in many ways. But really, its intention is to provide sound bites, not debates, on there. And it easily can become a devouring frenzy of a pond or a lake where people start doing debating on there, even among Christians. And it often ends up being a massive venting tool so people can have their voices heard and have their say. And so when we're trying to be wise how we share, sometimes it's not the right place to have a debate about some important issues. And so though it's not as hard here in New Zealand as in other countries, wherever the kingdom advances of God, there's going to be friction and difficulty. We went, some of us went to a, um, a seminar about sexuality and gender a couple of weeks ago, uh, led by... Um, a Christian who'd done a PhD on, on these subjects, particularly in the light that our government is proposing some hate speech, hate speech laws coming up, which are really, really very much at odds with our biblical worldview, a Christian worldview. And so part of the penalties of that could include being going to jail between th- uh, three months to three years, fines up to $50,000. Obviously, these are only at the proposal stages at the moment. But as a chasm of worldviews between the Christian worldview and the, world view and, and, and the secular worldview widens, these things are going to become uh, more pronounced. And we can, can't say it will never happen here. 
because it may do, and the government's thinking about these things. And so Christian truth-telling may one day become hate speech. And that's a challenge we face. How do we respond as being shrewd as snakes, as innocent as doves? It's going to be a challenge. But we need to learn how to speak truth in ways that are helpful, grace-filled, and winsome, being attractive. And um, we may do all that and even find that our platform has been removed. You've heard, some of you heard of the cancel culture? It's a practice of excluding someone uh, from social professional life by refusing to communicate them online or in person because you don't agree with what they said or their views. And so these kind of cultures are, is, is pressing in on us. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if there comes a day soon where we see, we see some people, um, Christians, being apprehended for trying to speak some of the truth as we see it. I've been, uh, sort of went to the seminar. I believe in marriage is between one man and one woman, as was the main focus of, of the, one of the focuses of that. But it's a biological fact that God created us and that gender is binary. God gave us a gender at birth. And so it shouldn't be down to our feelings and allowing that to change who we are. And so being able to speak about these things may cost us at one point in the future that will be called hateful. And I said, our heart is to speak in right ways with compassion for people like this. And that's why our talk needs to be with empathy as well when we face such situations, but with love and in truth going together. And that's part of the challenge that we may well be facing here. Paul wasn't afraid to share the whole counsel of God, but we've got to find the right ways to do it. So we need godly wisdom to do that. And so all these consequences that Jesus uh, could talk to could easily leave us with a sense of fear. And just remember, as I said, I had my stone. What do you use when you're under pressure in such a way? Like uh, Psalm 118, 6 says, The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? So get God into the picture when you're facing this. Because we need to see people here as without Christ. And we need to trust God that he will give us the words and actions to say in a particular situation. But we need to be open to that. So don't think persecution is something that happens overseas. Here in New Zealand, we face these challenges. And so Jesus then talks about the consequences of following him. He then picks up and says, you're going to need some courage. And so from verse 24... He carries on to his disciples and said, A student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his master and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more will the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul 
and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge him before the Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And if anyone gives you a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, my disciples, I tell you the truth, they will certainly not lose their reward. And so we've had Jesus' cry of compassion, his calling, telling people about the consequences of following him. And now he says, you're going to need some courage. And so he says in verses 26, 27, don't be afraid. Use your tongues and what I say to you, speak out publicly or to whoever comes before you. Don't be afraid of death. But there's nothing worse in life, is there, than death. It's the ultimate stink, isn't it? That we have to die. But Jesus says, that's not the biggest fear. He says, a right fear is to fear the one who controls our ultimate destiny. And so Jesus calls his disciples to have a right fear. And when the fear of God is magnified, other fears will diminish. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It gives us wisdom to deal with these things. I like this picture here of the binoculars. You know, it's the same thing. Sometimes when life is getting difficult, we're under pressure. Is God... Like holding a binoculars the wrong way. Have you done that? And everything looks distant. If you flick them the right way around, things in front look near. That's what we need to do with God sometimes, is reorientate us, make sure our vision is the right way around, so that God is close up. Because the bigger God is in our situation or lives, the smaller everything else seems. And that's the idea we have. And then he talks about two sparrows, really insignificant, sold for a penny. And um, he said God cares about those. And I remember back, I think this is back in 2006, this was a picture here of Wellington Library, sort of closed at the moment for earthquake repairs. But there, you can see there a circle around the, a tree there, if you can see that on the, um, on the right side. And I used to sometimes go there at my lunchtime, read the Bible, and just have a bit of time with the Lord. And I said to God, if I'm going to follow you, I'm going to stay in my job 
until you release me from that. Because it's easy for us to do our own thing. I'm going to follow Jesus and just do our own things and get God to bless whatever we're doing. And I had a hundred things I could have done at that time. And I said, no, Lord, I'm going to stay until you release me from that job. And so there were some changes at work. And all of a sudden, this reality of being released became really real. And I went down to the library and I was thinking about this. And um, I think, what happens if I don't have an income? Who's going to look after our kids? Am I being irresponsible? And because I felt God had said, you don't need to do anything. And uh, I was really scared. And uh, see here, this is a nice, pleasant day. But the day I went in here was like yesterday. Except obviously in Wellington, that's a bit more magnified. <laughs> yeah. No leaves on the tree because it was winter time. And uh, the wind was blowing. It's quite, quite refreshing, actually, you know, looking there and looking out across towards the harbour. You see the southerly clouds rolling in. And I was just thinking all of these things. And then suddenly, I just looked at the, the, the tree, the bare tree in front of me. The branches are going up and down in the wind. And there was a little sparrow sitting on that tree. How he was staying on there, I don't know, because it was just going up and down. And he was just staring at me. And I thought, that's not possible for that, that sparrow to be there in that storm, in that place, which is really windy, just looking at me. And this went on for about five minutes. And I knew at that moment, that's this scripture here, is that God, if he cares for that sparrow, he cares for me. You know, and you know what I did to my courage and confidence? It just went up in that moment. Because God told me, I care about you. And so it was such a powerful moment for me and allowed us to move on and what God had for us. And so I said, don't be afraid because your value is far greater than those little sparrows. And so we need to, to balance the fear and having a reverence for God that draws us near to him. The fear of God does not paralyze us, but it draws us near to him. And also trusting in him is our heavenly caring Father, and we need to get that right. And so we can have confidence as well that the likes of Peter, as I said, watching the chosen, these disciples make heaps of mistakes and lapses. And I, but Jesus was so patient with them. And I take confidence is when we mess up or we'll do things or have a lapse, Jesus is patient with us too because he wants to walk with us. So we can have confidence and courage because God is with us. That's his commitment. And then some more challenging verses. You're going to need some courage because Jesus goes on to say, don't suppose I've, come to bring, I've not come to bring peace, but division. Well, you think of the Christmas story. It talks about Jesus. You know, um, the angels say, Prince of Peace is here. He brings peace to all earth. And here's Jesus talking about division among families. It doesn't quite sound right, does it? That you come to bring peace on earth. I remember um, when I went to Bible college, there was an 18-year-old lad who, was, who started in the same time, not long become a Christian, but he changed really rapidly. His dad was shocked that he had become a Christian. And he said to him, you go to Bible college, you have no home here. You're out. Don't come back. Pretty scary for an 18-year-old. He's got no job, no income. And his father's saying... You be a Christian, you follow this Jesus, you're not my son anymore. And so he did that. 
And it was amazing to see at Bible College over three years, the family that came around him. He always had a place to live, even in the holidays. And he had a far bigger family than he could have ever imagined because he took that step of faith. He had the courage to do that, even in the midst of the opposition he faced from family at home. I know for Julie, when she became a Christian, you know, a Christian where she became focused on her faith, her best friend walked away from her. It was hard. We talked about baptisms. When I got baptised, my parents didn't come here uh, to our service in Wellington. They were appalled that I would get baptised. And so sometimes these things happen to us. And Jesus wants us to keep our eyes on him. And so what a family is really important. And so we don't want to diminish the you know, sub, uh, value in the family. But Jesus has said there's something more important than your family. And who's that? Jesus. He said, I'm more important. So in your priority order, who comes first? And so Julie and I will, will say to each other is that our priorities is Jesus first, one another second, our children, family, our church family after that. And, and, and it ripples out. And that's how we think about making decisions. And so we both say that because Jesus said, put me first. It's not always easy, is it, though? But Jesus says, I will be with you. And I will give you the courage when you look to me. And the other challenges is, is that we just face as well is... Um, at times I've mentioned, you know, here in the church the last year, you know, we, you know, we need volunteers or people volunteering for things. And each time I've said that, someone has come up and, or I've read something immediately after saying, we shouldn't call people in, in churches volunteers. We call them servants. And so this leader said that last week, that actually Christians are servants. Now we know we're children of God as well. And I think of Prince Charles. He calls the Queen... Mummy, he calls her your majesty, and I am your servant. And the disciples were called friend by Jesus, weren't they? And yet, if you read through all the letters of the epistles, not one of them says, Jesus is my friend. They say, I am a servant of Jesus. And so navigating that path between, yes, we're his children, but also we're called to the service of a king. And that's part of that that balance that we need to manage. And so I'm challenged with that. that Everyone who's a Christ follower is a servant. And so we're called to serve in whatever that looks like, if we're following Jesus. I remember, this looks different for different people, Tom talked even the other week about um, the demon-possessed man who wanted to follow Jesus and go where Jesus wants. And Jesus said, no, stay where you are. Just share your testimony with people. Let them know how good God has been to you. So he does that. In Acts chapter 9, we read of a lady called Tabitha. She'd done a lot of good to people all around, and she died. And Peter comes, and she's healed and raised to life again. And it says that people believed in her because of her lifestyle of serving those around her. But they believed in her because she had the message. She had the words of Jesus too, and they go together. 
And so we're called to have those things. And it's not just uh, fitting ourselves into, hey, I've got to fit myself into this, this form, whatever. It's whatever our circumstances are, we work in that. But we're called to serve God, to love him, whatever he, he shows us in our own circumstances. So how is your courage, compassion? If you need to build it up and exercise it, again, the first thing you can do is, um, is seeking God. In the book of Acts, the new Christians, there, Peter and the disciples, Holy Spirit came on them at Pentecost, facing persecution, struggling. It says the Holy Spirit came on them and gave them courage. End of chapter 4, the same thing happens again. And it's the same word in Greek, but it just says God gave them boldness. And so part of us having that courage and boldness, again, is pressing into God. It's seeking him individually together in prayer to see our situation, circumstances through Jesus. And that's what brings us compassion, a sense of call to overcome the consequences with the courage that Jesus has given us. Because he's given us a bigger mandate than just the uh, disciples in, the, in this story. He's told us to be out among the nations doing this, and he will be with us too. And so, as servants of Christ this morning, in light of these challenges, how prepared are we to take up our cross and stand firm on the words and the person of Christ? God's purpose for this life is preparing for eternity. And it's our priority in this life, because this is temporary. But I love what Tom shared earlier last week about an opportunity next week to show some of that love and truth to Christ is getting involved might not work for everyone, but there are plenty of fishing opportunities out there to help. And that just simply came out with someone coming in to the food bank. So as we close here, the worship team are going to come back up in a moment, but think of those this morning you know are not Christians. How do they see you? Do they know you're a Christian? If not, why not? I know it's hard with families sometimes. We pray for wisdom. Ask God for an appropriate opportunity to share or send someone else to them if you're not nearby. Would others be surprised to learn you're a Christian? And why would that surprise them? We're called to follow Jesus. What does that look for you? And we need God's wisdom to do this. What to say, when to say it. And so just, just reflect for a moment. Listen to that cry of Jesus for the lost, for the helpless. Each one of us here was at one point lost. Pray for compassion, as Darren spoke about last week. Draw near to God. And you know what he'll do. He'll draw near to us in his spirit. He'll give us the courage, the strength, the wisdom, words and actions. This is not meant to be a guilt trip here. But Jesus says, you follow me. This is what it looks like. And these are the words of Jesus. They're not my words. So listen to him. But we know he has the victory. And that is the wonderful thing about um, the last book of the Bible. It just talks about his victory and what we have to look forward to. I encourage you to stay. Think about those around you who need what you've got. If you don't know Jesus, today is a day you can encounter him.
Just come and talk to one of us. That's good news. Thank you. Thanks, Tom.